In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. <coughs> when we're in school, when we're doing any type of reading assignment or any type of, uh, when you read an article, our mind automatically tries to figure out who are the characters in the story. Our mind tries to figure out the story. And in order to understand the story, we have to look at who's present in this story. And if we look at this specific story, we see Christ with two groups of people that represent two types of people. Two types of people. So the characters in the story are the Pharisees and the sinful woman. It's really interesting that here, Christ doesn't give her a name. Christ doesn't give her a name. Like the Gospel of Luke, they could have asked her her name afterwards. It's not like she disappeared. But instead, they focus on the type of people they are. The type of people they are. So we have the Pharisees and the sinful woman. And we also, of course, have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The same thing in this story, it represents what we experience in our life. There's two types of people in this world, right? There's the ones that know that they are sinners and ones that feel like they are above sin. There's ones that know that they are in need of forgiveness and some that don't feel the need of, for forgiveness. And this story represents these two types of people. And what's scary is that many times we, when we read the Bible, we look at the Pharisees and we say, oh, like, how can they say this? How can they do this? How can they think this way? But at the same time, we are sometimes just like the Pharisees. Look at the two differences, or look at the two um, types of people and see their differences in how they acted. When Christ entered the Pharisee's house, where, what was the, their position? They kept a distance from him. They stood afar. They kind of looked at him and kind of like distanced themselves from him. Even he says that. He, he explains that when, when, the, when the sinful woman came, when they questioned her, he responded and said, you know, look at her and look at you. Look at what she's been doing since I walked in and look at what you've been doing since I walked in. Yes, he entered their house. He entered their house. He gave them a chance to connect with him. But at the same time, they distanced themselves from him. The difference between the two people were one had faith, one had faith, and one had the realization that they need forgiveness. There's a difference between needing forgiveness and being okay with it. Like this woman went out of her way, she embarrassed herself, she went to a, to a situation where 
anything could have happened. They could have stopped her at the door. She was entering into Simon's house. So this is not a um, like an open area, uh, a public area that she could just enter. They could have stopped her, but she didn't care. She didn't care. She pushed through it. All we know about this woman is that the gospel writer writes that she's a sinful woman. That's all we know. When we think of the word sinful, we get embarrassed. We say, no, I'm not, I'm not that bad. We justify our, our condition. We say, you know what, there's people that are much worse. We start pointing at people, even figuratively, not like physically pointing, hopefully not, but also we start thinking about, oh no, I'm, I'm not as bad as the person who does this, 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 this. Or I'm not, I'm not that bad that, you know, God's not going to forgive me. We start justifying things. Our standard keeps lowering and lowering to what is godliness, what is holiness. We start, we start declining, our standards decline. This woman realized her sin. And in order for us to be healed or to be transformed, we have to realize our sin. Think of physically. You won't be healed from any type of sickness, any type of ailment, any type of injury, unless you realize that first you're injured. Right? Once you realize you're sick or injured or, or have any physical ailment, then you can start the process in the healing. Because then you realize, okay, I need help. I need, I need a, a solution to this issue. This woman realized it. She could have stayed outside, but she realized that her solution, that her cure is Christ. But she didn't come empty-handed. Because the problem is sometimes we, we, we realize we have a sin, or we realize we, we are in need of a cure for our sins. We need a savior. We know that we're going down the wrong path for certain sins. We know that. God gave us the ability to realize that. But then we don't want to do anything about it. There's no sacrifice involved. I was talking to somebody and they were, they were telling me, how come I have to like, okay, I feel guilty for the sin that I've done. Fine, I messed up, I'm sorry. But why do I have to go talk to a priest? What's the point of going to the, to the confession part? And a part of it, the church established, one, obviously a relationship between the church and the person in the form of the father of confession. That's why we call it a father of confession, to help guide the person towards the church and to, to help help them in their spiritual journey. But more than just that, there should be an effort made by the person. That there is that uncomfortable aspect in confession. If you start going to confession and it's comfortable for you, there's something wrong. 
there is something wrong because then at that moment, you don't feel guilty that the sin is something comfortable that I'm just going to discuss it. But if you go to confession and you feel a sense of discomfort, you feel a sense of shame, then you know you're doing it in the right way. This woman went straight to Christ knowing that people are going to talk about her, knowing that people might not let her in, knowing that she has to sacrifice. So she bought an alabaster flask and she filled it up. She filled this, oil, the, this, this flask up with very precious oil. This oil, as we, as we always hear the story, is very, very, very expensive. Some people say it's, it's a year's worth of salary. And if you think about that, she's sacrificing. She has to dedicate something in order for her sins to be forgiven. She had the faith that she understood that if she went to Christ, she would be forgiven. But also there is sacrifice that, is, that needs to happen. When we think of uh, sacrifice, that's an uncomfortable word for us. We're like... Let's just, I want to I live a Christian life, but like, why, why, why do I have to give anything? Let me just, you know, with my convenience. I'll live with God in my convenience. But she taught us here that she sacrificed much more than just money. Another thing that happened is she went and sat close to Christ. She sat near Christ, she cried, she sat at his feet. In order for us, in order for us to be really changed, because sometimes we look at repentance as an action. Like, okay, we have to repent. No, repentance creates an action. Like repentance is the mindset that says, I'm going to turn around. Repentance is saying, okay, I'm going in this direction. Now I have to turn around and go in this direction. I, uh, somebody was mentioning to me, they said, Abuna, I'm confessing this, but I know I'm going to fall into this same exact sin soon. And I said, it's okay. The, the, but the problem is, do you want to stop this sin? Or are you okay with it? If you want to stop it, then it's okay. If you fall again, it's okay. We all fall. But as long as there's this desire to stop, this feeling of, no, no, I'm trying to stop. I want to stop the sin. I just, I'm weak. I can't. And that's okay. Was this sinful woman completely perfect for the rest of her life? No. She sinned again. She was never, she's, no one, no one stays perfect except for Christ. But the key was that she realized that she was a sinner and she went to Christ. She continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. There's action involved. There's action involved. I was, I was thinking about this earlier this week. When we say, 
If, uh, if, we, if we ask a general question here, who here loves God? Everybody would raise their hand. I hope, right? Everybody would have two hands up. Everybody would stand up, whatever. If I ask who loves God? But St. John in his epistle writes, if you say you love God and hate your brother, you are a liar. Those are some harsh words by St. John. He says, if you say you love God and you don't follow my commandments, you are a liar. So the idea is to, there has to be action connected to the faith. There's action connected to the realization. And here the action is kissing her feet, kissing his feet. She kissed his feet. She went out of her way. She spent money. She went this. There is sacrifice. That's why service is a, is, is a, is a key aspect of a Christian. It's not just becoming a Sunday school teacher. It's not just becoming, you know, teaching in, uh, in different classes. No. A servant is somebody who sacrifices time, effort, whatever, for the sake of Christ. Now we look at the, the Pharisees. And the scariest thing is, sometimes we resemble the Pharisees more than the sinful woman. The Pharisees were the type of people that felt like they knew everything. They were the ones that looked at Christ and said, what are you doing? They were the ones that looked at Christ and said, you know, like, how could you do this on this day? What are you saying about this? They questioned everything that he did. And sometimes we do the same. The battle in the New Testament is all about Christ and the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees felt like they were comfortable. It's easier, it's easier for someone who is far from the church, far from God, a different religion, to live a Christian life when they connect with Christ than somebody who's inside the church and has the Pharisee mentality. You can know all the hymns, you can come early to every, you can come to every event, every service, every activity. But if you have the mentality of the Pharisees, you will never be changed because they refused repentance. If anything, they wanted Christ to repent. So our goal and our mindset and our heart should be trying to become just like the sinful woman who realized her sin, who realized her sin. People ask, how many times should we confess or how often should we confess? It's more about the repentance and then you could schedule confessions. But the repentance is a mindset and, and, and a way of life that we must live every single day. It's not a, you know, uh, a weekly, monthly. No, it's you can repent throughout your day because if you mess up and you realize you messed up and you want to turn around and you ask God for forgiveness, that's repentance. 
But the idea is after we do that, we schedule time for confession. And we, we continue to work on our spiritual life. Christ says, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. It's not about who you think you are. It's who you are in Christ. Our focus always should be comparing ourselves to Christ. This woman realized that she was a sinner and she wanted to repent. She wanted to change her life. The idea is that we focus on our own change, our own life of repentance. And if we do that, there is everlasting life. There is the sense, the saddest thing in the, in the Gospels were the Pharisees because they were so close. They knew the, the, the law. They knew everything. They knew all the rules. They knew the same as sometimes how we come to church. We know everything. But the life of repentance is what takes the person to the next level in their relationship with Christ. And glory be to God forever. Amen.